0: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash loss. That's plushcare.com slash loss.
1: The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. Before we kick off the show, I just wanted to take a moment to remind you that the ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is taking place in Barbados this summer. This, by default, gives all of my fellow cricket fanatics the perfect excuse... To go and book a holiday to Barbados in June and experience firsthand the euphoric atmosphere at the Kensington Oval, the cricket mecca of the Caribbean. If the cricket alone isn't enough to tempt you, then let me be the one to remind you that a trip to Barbados can also include leisurely strolls along the breathtaking coastline, mouthwatering flavours of the world class Bayesian cuisine, and of course plenty of rum. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, the best place to be a cricket fan.
2: On DAB, online, on the app and on your smart speaker. Following on, Ash's Inquest on Talk Sport. What a performance.
1: Welcome, I'm John Norman. For the next hour, alongside Steve Harmison. Uh, wondering, really, just what we've got in store tomorrow here at the Oval for the final day of the 2023 Ashes, a series where so far every test by one has reached at day five, and one where we still don't know who will be celebrating at its conclusion. And a big reason for that, apart from the rain, is the fight back shown by Australia here on day four. A day that started uh, with everybody in party mood, but it fell flat remarkably quickly. (laughs) Because remember, it's not just Stuart Broad playing in his final Ashes test, and David Warner and Usman Khawaja were more than happy to reign on England's parade. Despite being set 384 runs to win, the Aussie openers looked at relatively unfazed as they put on the first 100-run first wicket partnership of the series. Gets him jumping, and he gets
3: it between gully and slip, races away for another half-century for Kawaja. Pulls away, he's got it in front of Square. Yeah, that's a terrific piece of fielding, but it also
4: brings up David Warner's 50
1: and the problem seemed to mount for England. Moeen Alley, discomforted. Mark Woods hardly being used. And when the rain came, the target had been reduced to 249. Australia still with 10 wickets in hand and more bad weather forecast for day five. So where are we? What's happened? What's gonna happen tomorrow? Uh, Well, hopefully Steve Harverson, who's been here all four days, has got some of the answers. You're listening to following on Ash's Inquest. Well, not for the first time. Big thanks to Sky Sports Cricket for those highlight clips. After all the drama yesterday, Harmy, it was just a little bit of a damp ending here, a bit soggy, and uh, actually now, looking more likely than not that it's going to be Australia who not only retain
5: the Ashes, they're going to win the bloody thing. Yeah, you've got to you've got to fancy them now. Two four nine, is it to to win? But um, oh, it's been a frustrating day, one where a lot of people have been scratching their heads. I can. I can only go off where I've been. I'm, I'm in the in in the lounge. Me and Goffey, trying to sort of entertain people, and you know, obviously they weren't entertained because it was me and Goffey on show. But they're going, why is Mark Wood not bold? Is there something the matter with him? Is he injured? Uh, Michael Vaughan came down at lunchtime and was saying to Vani, have you heard anything from the the comes box? And he's like, no, we've not heard anything. And we're like, is he off the field? No, he's on the field. So has he got a stiff back? So are they trying to keep him out there? I just, I really don't understand why Mark didn't bowl. Um, Joe Root and Mo and Ali got a bowl before him. Jimmy Anderson, who has probably struggled the most throughout this series so far from a wickets point of view, bowled the most overs of the seamers. So it, it, it was, it was, it was, I know Ben's trying to change things and he's trying to get, the wicket and the breakthrough, and I understand the reason why is probably because well, hopefully he's not Mark, Mark Wood's not injured. Well, but, I, I but can hopef- tell you, yeah, I can tell you he's not.
1: Well, Marcus, hopef- Marcus Triscothic has just spoken, and uh, it was
5: tactical. But why not- is Mark? But why why is Marcus Triscothic, I keep coming back to this fact. Why is Marcus Triscothic speaking? The reason why Mark Wood's not bowling is is simple. He wants they want him to bowl at Labashin and and uh, and Smith. I get that. I fully get that they don't want Mark Wood to be six overs in when Labuschagne and Smith come out to bat because he is the one that's had the the biggest success of them. But at this minute in time, Australia are 130, 130 he's had pretty off a good non. he's had pretty good success against Kawaja as Absolutely. well. Absolutely. So, I, I, honestly, I, I didn't. I, this is probably one of the first times I've questioned Ben properly, and I, and I didn't understand why Mark Wood didn't didn't bowl. Jimmy Anderson bowled the most overs. Um, he looked as though he bowled all right. I thought England bowled okay. Australia were not getting away from England, but they were slowly but surely grinding England into the dirt. And you were looking, you were thinking, as the day goes on, you get the ball and it's a bit softer, possibly reverse swing. But the forecast of where it was, it was all the, the, the rain was always going to knock the reverse swing out of it. So from that was even more. To bowl Mark Wood in that opening throws because don't keep him for a reverse swing because of the likelihood is after lunch we're not going to get it.
1: I imagine that there will be a perception or certainly an angle of attack that uh, the whole situation surrounding the guard of honour and Stuart Broad's retirement has essentially distracted England, and that's why they didn't bowl particularly well. Would you do you think there's some some truth in that?
5: Possibly. I just look at... You've just got to look at when Stuart and, and Jimmy walked out. Stuart didn't take the first... Uh, Stuart took the first ball. Didn't take a single off the first, first ball of the game. Didn't take a single off the second ball of the game. I'm like, hold on. You know, you've got a number, not, uh, number 10, number 11 at the wicket. Whether you can... And people will be throwing in, oh, Stuart's got a test century. He's a different player to what he was when he had that test century. Mitchell Starks bowling at 95 mile an hour... The minute they didn't take a, a single off that first ball, I'm, me and Goffey were standing on, the, on the, the the terrace, right looking over directly towards the changing rooms. And I'm going to Darren. They've got to declare. He's had his guard of honour. He's got, he's got what he wants. We've gotten to a point where we've sensed you abroad off in such a way which is brilliant. But if, you're gonna, if you're not going to take singles, if you're not going to take runs, why on earth are you out there? I just didn't make sense of that. And then Jimmy did it the next over when he was facing Murphy. And I'm going, hold on. Mitchell Stark's bowling at 90 mile an hour. Stuart Broad breaks his hand here, breaks an arm, and Stuart Broad doesn't go out the way he, he goes out. It just it made no sense. Today made no sense. And it's the first time for me that today has made no sense whatsoever the way England, of the way the, where the England outlook is. Because you cannot turn down singles with 10-11 at the crease with a 90 mile an hour bowler it's madness you might as well not be on the field so they should have declared then irrespective of whether you think that you've got enough to win the game all of a sudden you're, 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 you're moving into the realms of one of your bowlers is going to get injured while you've got a 90 mile an hour bowler bowling so if that's the case and you're not going to take the runs just get off the field
1: and what about when England came on to bowl then? Was it a bit flat? Were we expecting a miracle when, you know, it, it never really works out like that? How did Anderson bowl? I thought how, the, do, how do you think Stuart Broad bowled? Because... I
5: thought the ball bowled okay. I just, you, I keep saying a lot on this show and on The Collective, you can bowl the ball in a good area, but the batsmen's allowed to play it very, very well, and they did. I thought, Warner was a little bit more proactive with his um, his foot movement and trying to get across the crease to get the ball into mid wicket where there was there wasn't any fielders because there was a man out on the boundary. I thought they were, they tried to turn the strike over better than they did in the first innings, which was you know, a lot better because they were they were going you know really slow with Australia in the first innings. England bowled OK. cares. You know, what were the sixty odd for for none at, I think at, at the first break so. I can't question the way England bowled. I just question the tactics of and and the 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 plans that England had from a, a bowling change that that really didn't give Australia too much to think about because it was eighty mile an hour wokes, it was eighty mile an hour Broad, it was eighty mile an hour Anderson, and it was a little bit of turn of of and a little bit more turn of of Joe Root before lunch and. Husband Kawaja and, and David Warner are going, oh, thank God Woody's signing autographs down at Deep Point because I don't fancy facing him on a wicket which is starting to disintegrate.
1: And Joe root bowling more than Moeen Ali today.
5: Yeah, that but that's Moeen Ali's injury, I think, more than more than anything else. But if if if, if truth was t- to come, John, if we really want to be truthful. Joe Joe Root turns the ball more than most spinners. Joe, Joe Root probably turns the ball as much as Nathan Lyon. Joe Root's is as good a spinner as a lot of first, you know, front-line spinners in most nations. It's the problem with you don't want Joe Root to bowl too many overs is because of his body, his age, and because of the batting prowess that he has. So I wouldn't look too much of Joe Root bowling too many overs in the fourth innings when he hasn't got a bat because I still believe that Joe Root is still one of our best spin options.
1: Okay, good stuff.
5: Well, we we're we're going
1: to continue looking back at day 4. It did reach um a real a real a poor end, but to be honest with you, I think England were quite relieved when they went off. Uh overnight, 100%. They were, weren't they? 389 for 9, bowled out for 395. Uh Australia 75 without loss at lunch. And then when the rain came, 135 without loss from just 38 overs. So uh, a little bit of uh, a little bit of bad ball from them. Mitchell Stark in the end, uh, uh, ending up with uh, four for 100. Murphy with four for 110. Um, uh, and Usman uh, Khawaja will uh, be the leading run scorer in the series. He went past uh, Zach Crawley as well. So the narrative of this uh, series is still to be written. Is it going to be 3-1 tomorrow? Is it going to be 2-2 tomorrow? Is it going to be 2-1 tomorrow? Uh, We do not know. But uh, what I do know is that we're going to hear from a host of names uh, from the Oval, um, uh, which has uh, attracted so much attention over the last uh, few days. We're going to hear from Graeme Swan. Um, a few few bowlers uh, bowled alongside Stuart Broad as many times as as he did. Uh, he's going to uh, talk about his former teammate as well, Michael Lum. Uh, two good friends, of course. We're going to hear from Malcolm Conn. Get the Australian perspective. On uh, on the series so far, and the former Aussie spinner as well, Ray Bright, uh, Monty Panesar, he, he popped by, going to get uh, his thoughts on Moen Ali and looking ahead to India as well. So uh, loads coming up on the show this evening. You're listening to Following on Ash's Inquest on Talksport with myself, John Norman, and him, Steve Harmison,
2: on DAB, online, on the app, and on your smart speaker. Following on Ash's Inquest on Talksport. What a
3: performance!
2: 15 best bowling figures on this ground. I've probably been thinking for a a couple of weeks, and half eight, I just text Stokes saying, Can I come see you? Walked in, shook his hand, and said, That's me. I
5: don't think we can ever put him on a pedestal too high because he's been a a wonderful servant for English cricket.
3: What an incredible career. He's um, very difficult, really, to put into words the enormity of what, what he achieved. Broad has uh, been an unbelievable performer
6: um, over many years. I
2: mean, well done, Stuart. He's had an incredible career. You
6: know, hats off to him, you know, a fantastic man and a fantastic career.
2: Oh, it's taken. England's plan has worked. Broad has his man, and it is 600. For Stuart Broad. I knew deep down that I wanted to finish uh, playing cricket at the very top. The more I think about it, the more I think it's absolutely perfect, because he's going out on a high.
3: Here's another one, because Broad's got it to look back and fold as Devon Conway. Beauty from Broad. There's no bigger stage, I don't think, really, to walk off um, and thank the cricket-loving public for, uh, for all their support, is there?
5: When the big games come, the really big games come, boy as he turned up. It's been it's been a wonderful career from Stuart Broad. He's
6: just a champion. He'll go down as a legend, one of the greats uh, and yeah, just all the best to him.
2: He is big, he is bad, he is better than his dad. He's Stuart Broad.
1: Well, if you want to uh, hear from his dad, uh, Chris Broad will actually be on The Breakfast Show on Monday with Adrian Durham and uh, Gabby Agbon Lahore. You are, of course, listening to following on Ashes Inquest on Talk Sport with me, John Norman, and Double Ashes winner Steve Harmison. Let's continue our reaction, actually, to the news that uh, Stuart Broad will be retiring from all forms of cricket after this Test match uh, by hearing from his former England and Nottinghamshire teammate, Graham Swan, who's uh, been at the Oval for the last uh, couple of days, and he told us that now is the right time for Broad to call it a day.
2: I kind of figured it might be near the end obviously it's always a bit of a surprise when your mates go but um, I think it's a good time for him his his body's getting older and it's creaking and he's still at the top of his game and you have to go out if you can at the top of your game because that's the best way forward so I mean well done Stuart he's had an incredible career he's bowled as well this summer as he has done um, early on in his career and uh, I think it's just it's been a brilliant career for Stuart and I wish him all the best. You
4: played with him for many many years Um, when you first started playing with him did you always believe that he could go on and be this good for such a long period of time? And I mean, he, he retires with only one man in the history of the game who's taken more wickets as a fast bowler.
2: Yeah, well, he played for Nottingham, so, of course, <laughs> I knew he'd be good. Um, the, the thing I remember most about in 2009, we had a partnership at Headingley. It's the second quickest century partnership in Test history. Me and Broad, <laughs> against Australia. And I swear to God, it was like kids at a school game. Yeah. And we were egging each other on. So I hit 19 off an over and we went, I'm going to hit more. And he hit 20 <laughs> off the next over, then like, I'm going to outdo you. And I hit 21. We were honestly bat like little kids in the playground. And it was brilliant. And very few batsmen in international cricket ever play with that sort of childish flair and exuberance. But Broad, he did. And I, I, I think he's brilliant. He's a very serious character on the field. I still love the fact that even in his last game, he's doing his appeal where he just runs off towards the tip without the even, appeal. without even looking back. And then when he does look back, he sort of demands yeah, it's yeah. given. The petulance in that in that appeal is brilliant. Because he is like a big kid at the end of the day.
4: I think England fans Obviously, as a cricketer, we know how great he is. But I think we're going to miss the character, Stuart Broad. You yeah. mentioned there those funny moments. He's the sort of guy who wears his heart on his sleeve. He's always trying to get the crowd going. So tell us a little bit more about Stuart Broad, the man away from the cricket pitch. It he uh, I,
2: it comes across as one of the nicest and, and best yeah, blokes. He is a good guy. Uh, don't, the Australians didn't think that in 2013. Well, I'll never get that. He'll be remembered for a lot of things for getting caught a slip and an edge and not walking. Australians having to go to Tom for not walking. They definitely would have walked in Magnificent, <laughs> magnificent. But yeah, he is big, he is bad, he is better than his dad. He's Stuart Broad.
1: Yeah, yeah Grant Swan speaking there. I mean, what a, well, what, what a bloke he must have been in the dressing room. Swanee. Swanee. Yeah, yeah.
5: Swanee. Swanee. was good for five minutes. Um, everybody keeps <laughs> turning to me. Oh, you must have loved playing with Swanee. And I'm like, right, just try and work out the fact that you win the toss on an absolute flat one and your captain says we'll bat first and swanny has got all that pepped up energy and our batter's bat for six and a half hours you've got to share dressing room with that so and I've had it since <laughs> I've had it since under 19 me and Swanee played under 19 together all the way through um, I love him to bits but Boy, can he be! I mean, in a dressing room, he is. He can get to a point where you're chasing him around with a rolled-up newspaper, trying to hit him over the head. Um, it's a punch and Judy show. And, and oh, but he's he was a Swanny's a brilliant player, great character, uh, a great friend of Stuart Broad. won throughout good times, really good times. He was a, an unbelievable player for England, um, and you can you can hear the enthusiasm in um, Swanny's voice about what a champion Stuart's been. Is that what it was? Enthusiasm? Oh, no, it's always enthusiasm. Uh, he, he had a few this afternoon, said Swanee. Um, he had more yesterday when I bumped into him, and that's why Sam Allard had to speak to him this morning. Um, but, look, Swanee's enjoying himself. Um, and uh, do you know what? I think Stuart, even, even though it didn't go you know, as well as Stuart would have wanted to do, um, I'm sure he will say uh, that's Test cricket if he comes back tomorrow. takes a few wickets, and England win. Them two days that Eila had after announcing his retirement would probably, in his eyes, go well. That's the beauty about Test cricket: your utmost highs, a little bit of a low today, but if we win tomorrow, I think that can sum up Test cricket.
1: And what about that story that Swanee was talking about from 2009? Is that how you remember it?
5: Um, yeah, a little bit. Um, But yeah, Swanee can can tell a story and add two plus two is five and make it sound absolutely brilliant um but yeah i think in 2009 what we've seen in 2009 was the emergence of i think greatness because in 2008 john we were in new zealand when me and me jimmy and broadie spoke about them taking over from me and hoggard i think they announced themselves properly in 2009 when I went off into the sunset and they now were the the two men in charge because if you remember the attack in 2009 it was was Broad, Anderson, Harmison, Flintoff swan in that last test match at the Mm. Oval me and Flintoff went that was the end of 2005 and these two now then they took over properly and they went on to absolute greatness Uh,
1: Another of his former England and Nottinghamshire teammates uh, was also here, uh, Michael Lum. And uh, he also caught up with Sam Ellard, and he also agrees with Swanee. It is the right time to call in a day.
6: We've spoken about it for for quite a while. I I knew it was was on the horizon. But, yeah, I think think it's great timing for him personally um, to step away on a high. This Ashes series, you know, it's it's captivated the public again. It's been amazing. Uh, So I think from a personal point of view for him, I think it's probably the right time say the right time but I
4: just I mean you know him better than I do but he's bowled so well this series he's leading wicket taker it just feels like you know his mate's still going to 41 do you think there was no temptation just to go for a bit longer
6: oh I'm sure there was like you say the way he's bowled he's been incredible this series so of course there would have been some kind of temptation but you know at the end of the day it's a big decision it's come down to him his family you know things off the game and and he's decided that's, that's it so you know hats off to him you know fantastic man and a fantastic career Over 600 wickets, Um, only Jimmy's got more than him
4: in in fast bowlers, in test match cricket. How how will he be remembered, not just from
6: an England point of view, but from all around the world? I just think, you know, one of the greats, I think one of those guys who loves a battle. uh, Whenever the heat's on, and I've always thought with Stuart, he he writes his own script. Whenever he's under the pump, you know, I've known him for a while in the golf course. Whenever there's a clutch part or a clutch moment in any sporting event, you know, Stuart stood up. And he's an England favourite. The fans love him because of his spirit and the way he, he gels. He gets the crowd involved. And, he, you know, he just wears his heart on his sleeve. And he's just, a, he's just a champion. He'll go down as a legend, one of the greats. Uh, and, yeah, just all the best to him. I think that's right that, like, his ability
4: to bowl speaks for itself. But I think, like, moments abroad, either, the, the celeb appeals and everything, his antics on the pitch, I think that's even... That's I think England fans remember him for that
6: as well as the, the 600 or wickets. Oh, absolutely. I mean, there was, there was a highlights package last night, and I watched, and I, got, I, got, I must have got a little bit emotional, like seeing. You know, I've known Stuart for a long time. We play cricket together. He's, and I watched the highlights package, and all the moments, or like massive moments in games where he's turned it around to win a game, get five in a session, whenever you know the captain's turns him to make something happen. He's made it happen, and that's the person he is, and that's a testament to him as a character. Um, and like I say, he will. Go down as one of the greats. We love him, and he's, he's been fantastic. So awesome,
1: uh, Michael Lumb speaking to Sam Ellard. Okay, plenty more to come. We're going to start looking at uh, the Australians because uh, boy, did Cowager and Warner bat well today. And certainly, it seemed uh, I was listening to the great cricketer on with Max Rushton, uh, Sam and Higo. They were uh, they were pretty much counting out any chance Australia had of chasing down the three eight. To four. Well, I think that there'll be a slightly more hopeful going into day five, that's for sure. We're going to hear from the top Australian journalist, Malcolm Con. We're also going to catch up or hear from former Australia spinner, Ray Bright, here on following on Ashes inquest with myself, John Norman, and Steve Harmison.
0: Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care.
2: You have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
1: The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. If your passion for travel is on par with your passion for cricket, then I have some excellent news.
2: Hitting you for six with Top Order Cricket Conversation. Following on, Ash's Inquest on Talk Sport.
3: 191st test today. I'm aiming to get to 200
4: before I drop off the perch. So you've seen all sorts of Australia teams, some good, some great, maybe some not as good. Is there one particular era of of test cricket watching Australia that... really stands out for you as a a special one 205 shane warren
3: one of the greatest or if not the greatest bowler i've ever seen Uh, the adelaide test where england made 513 australia about 20 short of that and then they batted into the last day in their second innings and left australia to get 167 in the last less than the last session and we got home thanks to hussey mike hussey
1: Adelaide 2006. Uh, Will I ever be able to forget that? Uh, Same for you, eh, (laughs) Harmi? Yeah, just Uh, kick a man when he's down. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, That was uh, was a guy who was sitting with my family, actually. he has been to 191 test matches and he was uh, looking at uh, attending the Australia test match against New Zealand. There's a two test series in March and that will be, the second of those two will be his 200th. Test match. Amazing. Oh, brilliant. Anyway, if you love Talk Sport, join the club today to link your Alexa and Talk Sport accounts. Just say Alexa Ask News Broadcasting to log me in. We'll send a link to your Alexa app. You only need to do it once and you'll become a part of the club of the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Uh, we're going to talk about Australia in a bit, but... Uh, um uh, let's hear from malcolm con because of course this ashes series is likely to be the last away tour of england for a lot of this current australia squad one of those is the vice captain steve smith and despite saying ahead of this test he has no plans to retire from the longest form of the game sam allard spoke with the sydney morning heralds malcolm con to discuss smith's future in the green and gold
7: there's a general feeling that that Steve's in a different place now that um, obviously he he was suspended for 12 months over the ball tampering lost the captaincy and um, I think he was really sort of you know it was a very difficult time you know for him personally obviously um, and I think his sort of outlooks changed and I'm just not sure that that he has the same sort of or that cricket has the same all encompassing hold on him that it used to be, that it used to have like he's got a, a him and his wife have now got a, a sort of an apartment in new york he loves mm. sort of spending time in new york and quite openly says that you know he'd you know love to play for the the, the new york team in the in the the, the new 2020 c- competition the uh, the mlc that's going in in uh, the united states so yeah look i, I wouldn't say that you know he's going to walk away after this series but it wouldn't be surprising if in the next year or so he just says mm. oh you know, i've had enough and uh, I'm going to go and do something else. I'm not quite sure what, apart from uh, yeah. from uh, wander around the streets of New York.
4: It surprised me because I obviously don't see him up close like you do. But every time I watch him and see him on the pitch, he looks like a guy that's absolutely obsessed with the game. I just can't imagine
7: him walking away from it so mm. soon. He's, you know, he's still what early thirties. Uh, he's thirty-four, I think now. Um, so he'd probably got a, a couple of years left. But as I said, I, just don't, I think his circumstances have changed and he just, it just doesn't have the same hold that it used to. But there's no question about his intensity and, his, and how switched on he is. Like you, you can see when you look at the field, he's always looking at things. He, he can see things. He anticipates well when he has a slip. Um, he anticipates well in the field. Desperate to make runs. He's had a disappointing series for him, for him really. I mean, he's averaging 35 um, before this last innings along with Travis Head and Marnus, mind you, so the Australians haven't done particularly well together. But if you think back four years ago when Smith made that 774 runs at 110 in four tests and uh, double hundred at Manchester and, and really sort of set the series up for Australia, although they couldn't finish it here, obviously, uh, at the Oval four years ago. But, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what Steve does.
1: It'd be interesting to see. I was asked a question uh, by Max Rushton today about uh, the the makeup of the England and Australia sides when they play again in two and a half years, and uh, it's almost impossible to name England's bowlers. But the batting actually could look pretty similar to what we've seen in this Test match. Australia, the bowlers are going to be different. Possibly, Todd Murphy will be playing. Possibly, Cummins. But the batters. Um, I'd say that there'll probably be more changes from the Australia side than there will from the England.
5: Yeah, I think, that, I think that's right. I think there's been a lot of talk about the uh, the Australian side and the age that they're at. This is this this one big last hurrah? And I think England's top six, seven, possibly could still be the same if that's they're what all I'll playing say. well in First four years' time. Side. Not First. in not in two years' time, but in yeah. in four years' time, Crawley Duckett Pope definitely. Yep. Yeah. If, if they're all playing. Root, Root, I think probably will hang on for four yeah. years. That might Brooke. be his last one sw- uh, song. Um, Brooke, Stokes as a batter, as captain, top six. I don't have a problem with that. You might have a young witty keeper. Yeah. So Johnny might fall by the wayside. side. But it's um, the bowlers. That's the where bowlers. it starts the, to get the, a bit more confusing. But the bowlers have been confusing for a number of years now because... I've been saying this many times over the course and we know we're trying to move on from Broad but whenever we've come from Broad and Anderson whenever we've tried to move on from Broad and Anderson the last five to, five to seven years shall we say we've always come back round in a circle to pick Broad and Anderson because whenever we see the next shining light he plays two games, gets injured and we don't see him again for three months the one thing about Broad and Anderson is that since central contracts have, or one their one-day contracts aren't there anymore they've been able to manage their their workloads to be consistent performers in test match cricket now can england find can rob key brennan mccullum and ben stokes find three seamers possibly chris wokes short for the short term can they find three bowlers that can you know they can hang the hat on ollie robinson can he get his lifestyle sorted out and his body sorted out to be a position to take over from Stuart broad big question so all of these are what it needs to happen next the interesting one for me is that conversation that with malcolm is about steve smith 34 year old he probably will play in australia the next time the ashes comes around i've got no doubt will he come over to england i'd be surprised um he wants to go and play in america because he's yeah he's, he's he found sanctuary in america when the pressure was on because of what happened with sam peep um which is which is fine and great will we see him in first class cricket we might you know we really might. If you look at what... He went to Sussex. You look at what Pajara does for, for, for Sussex. My, I was 17 when I made my debut for Durham. And I played with a great man, David Boone. At the end of his career, he spent three years at Durham shaping a first-class county into what was going to be a, a producer of, of international cricketers. Now, I see Steve Smith a little bit like that. Somebody who could comfortably hold a dressing room because he's been Australia captain. I mean, his, his wealth of experience is ridiculous. His, um, his aura would be unbelievable in a dressing room. Still performing at the, uh, the, the top level, so he'd be good enough to play and hold his own in first-class cricket, even in the first division. And um, Sherpa County, because he loves the game of cricket. Now, what we find in Australia is once you can't play for Australia, you get moved on very quickly. Six teams, over here, it's a little bit different. So maybe that's where you see Steve Smith's next avenue of, of you know into retirement, sort of semi-retirement, or potentially into an English county to shape the county while going off and playing on one or two franchise tournaments around the world. Mm, interesting. I,
1: I can see him at Surrey, that's for sure. I think in a kind of Graham Smith kind of way. Um, remember yeah, when? But on was that,
5: would you, was there a challenge at Surrey? For him, is there really a challenge at Surrey? I I, I look at Steve Smith, I don't know the kid. I really don't, and I'm only speculating. I don't know the kid. But what I see in him is somebody who, he's been, for me, he's been a natural-born competitor. I don't see Surrey as a challenge for him. I see Sussex. You know, it's interesting that he went to Sussex. He goes to Sussex, Captain Sussex, in two years' time, for three years, with the unbelievable young talent that Paul Farber is he took over from because he he, he hasn't but he will be nurturing them from there and I see somebody like that being more of a challenge for somebody like Steve Smith rather than just walk in to a ready-made team and a ready-made big test ground I look at the David Boone comparison and what he did for Durham is something I think Steve Smith could possibly do for someone like Sussex who are very good at bringing young kids into the into the game and potentially helping them and nurturing them into moving on to international recognition. I think that would, for me, that would be a more of a challenge for Steve.
1: Okay, well, we'll keep an eye on that one. Uh, let's hear now from the former Australia spinner, Ray Bright. Uh, he played in the, the uh, well, he
5: played in 1981 in
1: that series. Um, but, of course, it has been uh, quite a while since Australia have won an Ashes here. They may well do it tomorrow, of course. But uh, Ray was explaining just how significant it'll be for an Australian side to win a Test Series in England for the first time since 2001.
3: I've played in some pretty good sides over here, and we haven't been able to beat England. You know, in 81, both of them and a bloke called Willis took charge when we just had the games won, Uh, and that was a fantastic series as well, but I think they'll be up there. England have played some fantastic cricket, and they just moved the game so quickly that it can get away from us, we saw at Old Trafford, but, um, you know, to win or at least draw over here I think it's not a bad achievement. Have you guys been surprised
4: about the way Australia have gone about it? Did you think, some people before the series were saying, could you try and match basketball, go toe-to-toe for England? It's felt like at times you've tried to go the complete opposite
3: way. This is the country that produced Chris Tavray and Jeff Boycott, Ken Barrington, and a, and a few Trevor Bailey, a few blokes that have broken records for putting people to sleep in the crowd. So I'm not sure over the duration we should be criticised. Once again, it is a five day match. Baz is suited to the English players, no doubt about that. If we try to do that, we'll get knocked over and it'll come back to bite us. So I think we're playing, you know, Uzi Kawaja, fantastic technique. People like that, Smithy can adapt as well. But I'm being surprised. But England are obviously thrilled. The locals are thrilled with the way England are playing. Of course, they're winning. You know, they've had a fantastic track record over the last couple of years under um, Brendan and uh, Stokes, who's now looking very good at number three. England might have found a number three out of all this. But I'm a little bit surprised. But, you know, it's great to see English fans excited about cricket because I reckon as I talk to people, it's not first on their list Of choices, it's not their number one sport. Obviously, soccer's unbelievably uh, strong here, but it's great to see more and more people getting interested in the game, and that can only be good for the world of cricket.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Ray Bright, uh, who was uh, in with one of the tour groups uh, here at the Oval, and no doubt will be back tomorrow. Uh, We're still going to be talking about uh, some other aspects to today's game and uh, this series as a whole, and looking ahead to the inter-series as well. Um, Moeen Ali, he is a central figure within the, uh, the squad and the team for this test, but can he continue? Will he be convinced to come back out of retirement for what would be probably the third time or have we just seen in this series why it was possibly um, just a little bit of a risk too far to get him involved. Plenty to talk about still here on the show, on TalkSport. You're listening to Following On, Ashes Inquest.
2: A
3: pitch-perfect delivery of
2: superior cricket conversation. This is Following On, Ashes Inquest, on TalkSport.
1: You're listening to uh, Following On, Ashes Inquest, uh, on TalkSport, with uh, myself, John Norman, and Steve Harmison. Now, Moen Ali Alley uh, sprung a surprise today. Uh, he bowled and also fielded quite athletically. There was one moment where we uh, completely forgot he'd picked up a groin injury at the start of the test match. But uh, let's hear from the former English spinner and part of TalkSport2's commentary team uh, when the IPL is in town, uh, Monty Panasol, who tells us it'll be a shame if Moeen doesn't go on the tour to India early next year.
8: I think it's been really good he's, he's kind of like raised his game and uh, responded really well with you know basketball cricket you often kind of think that oh sh- they should be playing a f- bit more maybe first class cricket get a few overs in but he didn't need to do that you know he just got in there he knew what, what he had what was expected of him get a couple of top order wickets go out there and bat he took the brave call of batting at three for the team so you know he seems like he's really enjoying this and uh, i hope this is not the last time we see of him he may he hopefully he's wants to play in India then you know about 20 30 overs and you know that'll be a nice tour for him but that's entirely up to him but he's done really well in this ashes trip what do you think though about him moving forward I mean look we, we all know there's big money to be made in
4: these leagues and you know there is big big money but it just seems a shame that he's obviously such a good cricketer he's loved by everyone in this country you know it, I think it'd be a real crying shame which is it probably it's probably a possibility that he doesn't go to India
8: well, yeah, there could be that high, 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 highly likely chance where he may just say, "Actually, you know what? That's me done. You know, I don't want to come back and play Test cricket again. I'm um, in the last few years, I just want to play IPL. He could get a massive IPL contract where he play other leagues around the world, you know, and which he, it, it, that could be a lucrative contract for him. So, yeah, this could be the last time we see Mahin in a in a in a in a Test shirt. And
1: it'd be sad if it is, uh, Harmy. But uh, at least we got to this series, didn't we? But was it just indication with the the problem he had with his spinning finger in the first test, the the groin injury that he's picked up in the fifth test? You missed the second test. Of course, um, that it's not that easy to to just come in and play high profile Test series when you've played no
5: four day cricket for so long. No, it's not. But he's done it, and that for me, I still think then there's a conversation to be had. If there's somebody else. I'd shake Moen Ali's hand and say, thank you very much. You've know, you been a, a brilliant servant and it's, it's time to look forward. Where we're we going, we need experience. Where we're we going, we need skill level. Where we're we going, we possibly need that spin bowler to being able to bat. Now, have we got somebody that we can hang our hat on at this minute in time? I don't think we have. So that's where I think possibly we might have to have the conversation with Moen to say, look what's the chances do you fancy going there's a yes here 20 which is at the same time which i think he signed a, a big deal on um i'd try and convince him to go to india i really would because i think what you've got with everybody else is a little bit unknown i think what you know with Moen is he's got the experience that if india come hard at him the way they play spin or any spin bowler, that Moen's got the the tools, he's got the the know-how and the experience to combat whatever's going to happen rather than just chucking a young kid in because that's what we'll end up doing. We'll end up chucking somebody in, throwing somebody in who is totally unknown and that could have a detrimental effect on that person's future in the long run because even if you just play one spinner, there's no guarantee it's going to be Jack Leach. He's coming back from a, a stress fracture. He's got... You know, he's got Crohn's. He suffers from Crohn's disease, which is the immune system. Going to the subcontinent, you just don't know one morning Jack might wake up and not feeling in the greatest of health. All of a sudden, you are asking, I think, too much of somebody who has not tried and tested. So that's why I try and convince Moen, but I don't think he'll go. And and how
1: would he possibly get the cricket? Because that's the point I was trying to make. You know,
5: would England risk it exactly the same thing happening again you play more cricket than anybody else if you really if you look at it where's everybody else going to get their cricket england don't play a test match until january where is the where's zach crawley going to start playing does he go back and play for kent at the end of the summer probably ben duckett is he going to be involved in one day stuff is he going to be involved in the world with the world cup you go to the team is ollie pope would it, is, it, is it worth sending Zach Crawley, Ollie Pope, Ben Duckett to the Caribbean for the 50-over competition after the World Cup to get them cricket in in sort of intense time to go ready for January? So I think Moen will, with all these leagues he's playing in, or where he's playing around the world, I think Moen will play just as much cricket than, than anybody else from a test match point of view because... I'm not sure. The worrying for, worrying thing for me is where do the fast bowlers get their their overs in their belt under their belt to go to India? Because this is this is the last Test match of the summer. We're not in, we're not in August. You know, this is the crazy thing. We don't play another red ball game for eleven months mm. in this country. You we know, we play five we play five Test matches in the next eleven months. Is that right? We play, yes, that is, that is. So, where do people get the cricket?
1: Um, well, I suppose, as you say, there'll be a number of players. Harry Brook, Ben Duckett, um, Moeen Ali, um, Joe Root, just trying to think, Chris Wokes. Uh, that, that, and there's another one as well. Um, yeah. So those players will play in the World Cup, right? So they'll get some cricket throughout October, November. There's white ball stuff in September as well, here
5: in England. Um, Chris Wokes, does he tour India? I think with... I think he has to. And as much as he's not got the greatest record away from home, I think Ben Stokes' knee means Chris Wokes, possibly... It's either Chris Wokes or Jimmy Anderson. Mm, and Anderson won't bowl all five, you imagine? No, but the thing where... You can't play Wokes and Anderson together, but what, you, what you're what you saying is... Yeah. I think Ben Stokes is a huge one in this whole conundrum of balance of side, where things go. Does he go and have an operation on his knee that he can bowl in India? If he can, then Anderson's in the game. If he can't, then you have to play Wokes. Because what you'll have to do then is just see Ben as a, an out-and-out batsman. And then you have to balance the side... And one of your seamers has got to be able to bat, or one of your spinners has got to be able to bat, ideally both of them. So that's where Moen and Wokes come in to bounce the side out. And I'm sorry, and I know there'll be people throwing things, and I'm sure social media will be a blizz of going, we need to take 20 wickets with the best bowlers we possibly can. But with Ben not bowling, all of a sudden, you have got to look at the fact that you can't pick five of your best bowlers. Because if you pick five best bowlers... Your, your tail starts at six, tail starts at seven. You ain't winning any games in the subcontinent with, 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 with teams like that. So the balance of the side, that's why Johnny Best was keeping wicket. And that's a different story again. So Wokes then overcome sudden his batting and all round prowess becomes so valuable to the England cricket team if Ben Stokes can't bowl seam.
1: It's um, it's an interesting one. We'll talk about that for the next. Well, we won't have any other Red Bull cricket to talk about for the next six months. But what about day five here then, at the Oval? Um, what's your gut feeling? I mean, it's a difficult one to call on the best of days, but especially when you consider that uh, you know bad weather could well get involved. Certainly uh, for the morning session and into the afternoon. Is that is that going to play to Australia's advantage in terms of winning the series because they'll just go defensive they'll just give up any idea of winning the game um, and also take out the amount of overs available to England to actually bowl them out
5: yeah well Australia are just going to play the way they've been playing and it's this it it works for them if they if they lose overs um, they they bat the overs out they win they win 2 1 if there's rent they'll feel as though even happier, we'll, we'll back the overs out, we'll win 2-1. Um, England need a full display. It just seems that the wicket, with the, the moisture that's on it, might just make, hold it together and, and make it better. But I'll I'll always come back to the fact that three, uh, 380 is a lot of runs in the fourth innings. And you can have whatever partnership you want, but the wicket will hopefully, will have enough demons in there that England will be able to cause enough chances to take 10 wickets I know it's 249 you've got 10 wickets you feel as though you can test 249 if that was the total but i still think england have got a great chance of winning this test match if we have a 70 over there
1: if if i if, mean this this the series deserves a proper finish doesn't it and actually having those two days if there had been no rain at all England might have just knocked Australia over. Maybe it just would have been a bit of a one-sided, an anti-climax. I mean, we would have celebrated the win, of course. But in a weird way, this, this kind of sets up the series and it gives us the opportunity to have the finish that actually the series deserves. You know, it's not 2-2 going into the final day. It's 2-1. But still, it just adds that element to things. And you just got the feeling this series, surely there's one more twist to come. Surely. Yeah.
5: yeah yeah you you feel as though there is and there's while you've got braun henderson on the field you feel as though there's there's a fairy tale there's got to be a fairy tale but you've also got to look at the other side as well the way warner's gone so far this summer there's a fairy tale there he walks off 150 and Knocks off the the winning runs, or he's there when the winning runs are scored. So, for every every England supporter that thinks Broad and Anderson deserve their fairy tale, there's an Australian fan going, "Well, you've hammered, you've hammered, Debbie Warner, you've hammered Steve Smith." Um, there's a fairy tale in there as well to go three one and the first team to win since 2001. So, I think there's fairy tales on both sides. The one thing I would hope that is. Yeah, even if we get a little bit of rain, if we get 70 overs, we've got a contest. We've got a winner. And if it's Australia, GS in 380 on the final innings of a Test match to win the Ashes for the first time in 20-odd years, you go, that's it, hats off. They deserve it. Yeah, they deserve it. And Pat Cummins can, can stand there and, and, and raise the trophy. England, on the other hand, Broad, Anderson... The fairy tale's got to be there. It really has and I really hope that Stuart Broad gets on a, one of them rolls and gets four or five wickets.
1: And lastly, Harmy, when uh, the Guard of Honour was uh, was there and Stuart Broad walked through it and uh, Jimmy Anderson said he wasn't going to do it and the Australian players asked him if he, wanted, if he was going to go through, do you think just for a second Jimmy Anderson might have thought to himself do you know what, it probably was the right
5: time to do this and I might have made a mistake here. I think he might think that tomorrow if he gets five wickets by tea time and walks walks towards the boundary, nine down with England on the cusp of a win and if Anderson's got five in the end column, I just wonder if he goes, you know what, it is time for me to go. Do you know what, I hope it. I hope that happens. I really hope that happens because Jimmy can do what he wants for me. If he carries on playing, I know for a fact he'll work hard enough, he would be dedicated enough. And he's got the skill level to carry on playing. But the one thing I will say to him, you'll not get a better chance to go out in a blaze of glory than what you've got a chance tomorrow. If you get five wickets, please give yourself a round of applause, a pat on the back, take the ovation and enjoy your retirement.
1: OK, we'll, look, we'll be back 23 hours from now, between 7 and 8 o'clock Monday night on Talk Sport. Myself, John Norman, Steve Harmison, looking back, at uh, the 2023 20, Ashes, whatever happens. Australia win uh, tomorrow, uh, England win tomorrow, it's a draw. I mean, there's so much to, to look back on. The series It's given us uh, so much uh, enjoyment and entertainment uh, over the last uh, six weeks or so, and uh, it's... Uh, fact that we still do not know where it's going we know where the urn's going but we don't know where this match is going Uh, it says so much about uh, what we've seen so far thanks for listening
2: to us here on uh, talk sport you've been listening to the following on podcast from talk sport if you missed any of the show or wish to catch up you can download the podcast now available via the free talk sport app or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget for more cricket content, you can listen to The Cricket Collective on TalkSport2 every Tuesday evening, as Neil Manthorpe and Double Ashes winner Steve Harmison debate the biggest stories with a host of big names. And if you want to send us a question to a member of the TalkSport team, you can tweet us at cricket underscore TS and we'll answer your question on the next podcast. But for now, you've been listening to Following On.